Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. getting stuck in the same circles of the same rhetoric and and saying the same thing. I notice that when I write, especially, I have to pause for a minute and go back and retrace my steps to see if I've already told a story because I don't want to repeat the same story. I think that's one of the reasons I don't go on other podcasts as much, even though I'm invited to them countless times. I feel like we're asking the same questions of people and then all that's taking place is I'm giving the same responses and I feel like I'm telling the same story and there's so much to everybody's story and when we focus on the same questions that we claim are important, what happens is we just get stuck in this redundant, repetitious cycle of basically saying the same thing over and over and over again. And for me, that's rather boring. Now, some people find comfort in that. And I'm I'm not placing any moral judgments over the people that get caught up in the circles, their niches, their, you know, their, their shticks, their, their lane in the road, right? They want to really drive in that lane. But what happens when you drive so hard in your lane, you start forming a groove, and it keeps going in and in, and then eventually you're literally stuck in a groove. And you can't get out. And that's one of the things I fear. Now, every once in a while, I go check up on people from my past. Maybe you do too. Just to see, you know, what's going on. And in, in, in the, the technological era of social media, many of us have that opportunity. Unless, of course, someone from your past has blocked you in every possible form on social media. And that has happened to me, actually, someone that I had agreed to write a book with at one time. We are not on speaking terms. I have actually tried on a few different occasions to reach out to this person to actually invite him on my podcast, see if we can have a conversation about the the fizzling out of our friendship and ultimately of our partnership and of our, our book collaboration. But what I did check up on is you know, his writing. I still follow his writing on Patheos Progressive Christian. And the thing that's disappointing, and maybe you're like me and this resonates a little bit, is sometimes we see our old friends are still playing the same old games, still playing with the same old toys on this, at the same old playground during recess, right? And 
Yeah, you kind of look over and you wonder, don't you ever get sick and tired of just going up and down the slide? Don't you ever want to swing? Don't you ever want to go across the monkey bars or the jungle gym? Don't you ever want to go dig in the sandbox? Anything, right? I had to do everything on the playground, so maybe maybe that's just me. But um, disappointing to see that there's not a lot of growth or evolution that comes out of people from our past, right? And one of the reasons that I feel like ties had to be disconnected with a lot of people from my past is because I just felt like I was just growing apart from them, maybe growing up from whatever phase I was in and feeling like, hey, this is how I'm rolling now. And if you don't want to roll this way, then I'm going to keep on rolling and you know, I'll catch you later. Um, it's not necessary that people have to track with you, right? You don't always need everyone on the same page as you believing the same things that you do. And it's not so much that there was disagreement about beliefs, but there was disagreement about evolution and growth and change and challenges to the self. And it's unfortunate that so many years have passed since we were friends and collaborating that I look back and I think, gosh, I'm still waiting for him to catch up. And Maybe you have someone in your life like that where you feel like I'm just waiting for them to catch up. I've spoken to a lot of, you know, married people who are going through different processes. And, you know, one of the trendy processes is deconstruction. And even going through such a process as that can make you look at your partner and go, okay, when are you going to catch up? Because I'm over here expanding my beliefs and opening up my mind and considering new perspectives and ideas. And, you know, you're just kind of over here in your box. And I'm like, get out of the box. And that can be really difficult for any relationship is when one person in the relationship is maybe going through a self-examination period and really looking at themselves in the mirror and seeing issues with their own behavior and their own patterns and wanting to make a change to it. But when we do that, what happens is it makes the other person in the relationship with us feel uncomfortable because if you're doing all this changing, does that mean you think I need to change? You know, um, that's often a common accusation that comes from one individual and in any kind of relationship dynamic making changes. And what happens is it's essentially pulling that whole idea of who you are as a person to that other person under a microscope and making them feel like suddenly they don't know you. And that can ruin relationships. And it wasn't so much it was like that. It's just like, God damn, people, do you ever want to stop talking about the same thing over and over and over again? And that's what it was for me. There was this little franchise, this little tribe, this little collective circle who said they were not about that us versus them narrative, but essentially that's all they were about. And so I found myself going, I don't want to be, I don't need exclusive friends I don't need exclusive circles. I don't need um, to have somebody fill out a questionnaire to decide whether or not I'm going to accept them first or let them into my tribe. I'd just rather sooner find out face-to-face and make a decision after that. But so many of us are so stuck in the dichotomies and the dualities of society, of silly, simple constructs that, I mean, really, when we look at it, in their their creation, in their conception, do 
nothing more than divide us, really. Special labels and fancy names and exclusive clubs don't bring people together. They keep people out. And I'm just not about that kind of life. I'm not about that kind of orientation for myself as a human being. I, I don't want to have preconditions for connection because that's expectation. And expectation, as I've reminded you lovely listeners time and time again, is, is of the ego. And while there's nothing vehemently wrong with having an ego, it's not like you can completely dissolve your ego, it is important that we're not egocentric. And I believe that when we get caught up in cushy, comfortable little narratives of scripted rhetoric that sounds really great because it's provocative and maybe a little bit controversial, that we don't want to escape out of that spotlight of that script because what it brings is attention. And I mean, really, that's all we're after is attention. But I think what kind of attention are you attracting then? If you're always the provocateur and the, the, the queen of controversy, then the attention that you're garnering is going to be elevated on, on that frequency. And then what happens when maybe you're boring and dull and not as exciting and, and is not as controversial or provocative? What if you're just mundane? You know, that can really, can really break the character perception that another has about you. And there in itself is a new problem because if you are breaking out of character, is the attention that you normally receive still going to fulfill you if the kind of attention you're receiving changes because you changed? So we create all these little conundrums when we put ourselves in a box and present ourselves to the world in such a way. And for me, I just I just guess I've learned from putting myself in a box and presenting myself to the world as this label or this label or a part of this collective or a part of that tribe or a part of that community. And what happened was if I broke from that character, if I deviated away from the narrative or even the rhetoric that accompanies those different tribes or sections or types, then I wasn't as accepted. Why do we do that? What a, what a crazy thing. What a crazy thing that we can't really be ourselves because if we're ourselves, people might not accept us. So what do we do instead? Well, we wear masks. Not a mask to protect us from a virus, but we wear a mask to hide who we really are. And then we lie and we say, but I'm being authentic. You're being authentic in a context of a character. And that's the reality of it. And you're lying to yourself. You know, I've, I've said this on previous episodes that one of the things that I really noticed in this year-long journey of psychedelic use is I can't lie to myself anymore, which means I can't present a fake persona or personality or character or role to people. I, I can't even lie to myself. And so what that means is, is I know that I can't stay stuck in a groove because Danielle doesn't do well in one groove. Danielle doesn't just drive in one lane. Danielle is all over the place now. And it's difficult to want to be the off-roading, side street, exploring traveler that I am in a society that says, tell me who you are by slapping these labels on yourself. And while many people, maybe including my lovely listeners, would like to fit me in a box, because I fear being trapped in a groove and repeating the same story over and over again. I guess I don't fear it. I just don't want to do it. 
really. I want to be aware. I want to be mindful. I want to be mindful and aware that I have more than just one story. I have more than just one fight. I have more than just one cause that I'm concerned about. And I don't want to have to concern myself about whether or not the causes that I advocate for or that I support and encourage are somehow contradictory to the political parties or to the political ideologies that run rampant in this American society. So what's disappointing is when I look back on, when I go check up on my friends to see if they were willing to challenge themselves to see that they weren't and they would rather stay comfortable. I don't want to see my friends staying comfy. And I know that sounds weird. Like I want my friends healthy and secure. I, I want them to feel safe. But the comfort, the comfort and character, I don't want that for my friends. I want to see my friends change and evolve. The same way that I've watched my children morph into my friends, right? My older children. The same way that I've watched my husband transform into a completely different person. Now, obviously, we have fundamental characteristics to ourselves, to our personalities that remain, and they remain through and through. But when we go through changes, it's, it's kind of incredible to not be the only one witnessing it. We want other people to see it, right? And and I noticed that about this 16-year journey I've had with, with Corey is everybody's always noticed how much we've changed. Um, and they saw that as a special talent and skill that, that we were able to collaborate on and share in with, right? Because he could go through changes and I would still accept him. And I could go through changes and he would still accept me. And, and we've been able to have discussions about the changes that we've seen. And we can also be really honest and vulnerable with one another. And we can confront each other lovingly, kindly, compassionately about conflicts and about areas where we think some developing might be necessary, right? That's, that's one of the staples I think I found in, in my relationship with my husband, with Corey, is that we can come to each other with anything and if there is a problem, we can address it like adults and we can air our grievances and we can even complain to heal and we're going to accept one another and what we're going to do is we're going to take a step back and we're going to go look in the mirror and we're going to go through a self-examination process and we're going to say, do I need to make some adjustments? Do I need to develop some things in order to ensure that this relationship that I'm actively choosing to participate in every day is is going through a healthy evolution. Now, so I have that silly little expectation that I can expand outward and, and, and receive the same in any kind of friendship, right? And so in, in the evolution of my children going from just children into adults and then turning around and actively choosing to have me in their life as a friend, that's because we're able to talk to one another and address conflicts and, 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 and to help each other see the blind spots that maybe they don't see, maybe that I don't see, right? And so you have this nice maintenance and manageability of being able to go, well, right here, I'm not too happy. And if I would be a lot happier, so like we can take... We can have reviews within relationships, right? 
And that is something that I'm finding to be more and more problematic as I navigate authentic, connected relationships with other people is that is not a process that many people openly receive. When you ask someone to challenge themselves to develop a piece of them so that it's stronger, when you ask somebody to stop doing something that's harming you, but they refuse to even recognize that what they're doing is harming you. And it does I'm not just talking about physical harm. I'm talking about emotional harm. I'm talking about I'm talking about when you have to constantly tell a friend. Like so for me in another friendship that I've recently terminated. And yes, I did terminate that friendship. During my epiphany of the ending of this relationship and being asked about something that I like for, I don't know, the 30th time, and finally having to go, do you even listen to me? Do you even hear me? Do you even hear anything I tell you about who I am as a person and how I operate that you continuously ask me this question as though I haven't answered it a million times before? Do you even hear me? Do you even listen to me? Do you even care? Do you even care that every time you ask me this same question, That the more times that I answer it, the more you're demonstrating to me that you're really not actively listening to me. Have you ever been in a relationship like that where like you have to keep telling somebody? It's like having to tell someone over and over that you're allergic to peanuts because they keep bringing you peanut butter sandwiches and you're like, I'm allergic to peanuts. What, why, what don't you understand? I stopped doing that. I stopped doing that with my mother. I stopped doing that with my in-laws. I stopped doing that with a few of my sisters and there were a lot of friends. And I mean, I just kind of, I can't be a relationship coach if I'm going to stay in shitty relationships because then I got no business telling you how to maintain your relationship. And so if it sounds like, girl, you have cut off a lot of relationships, I have ended a lot of toxic relationships, relationships that I let go too far. So I just want to, I just want to put that out there. I am so open to meeting new people. And in fact, in this new little town where I'm living at, I have opportunity after opportunity to meet new people and to make connections and to develop really healthy relationships because I've learned so much from all the toxic ones that I've already been through. And and maybe you can relate to that. I'm sure you can, listeners. I'm sure you all remember a relationship from your past that taught you something very significant for maybe a relationship you're in now, and that had you never gone through that shitty experience, you wouldn't be able to have this enjoyable experience that you're having now. Am I right? So anyway, getting off track here. So it's disappointing when you don't see people who have the capacity and the ability and strength to change, and then they don't change. And then it's equally infuriating when You feel like you've been in a relationship where you've never been heard. And it's kind of like that realization. I'm going to throw out a meme that I saw on one of the social media platforms somewhere. But it was when you realize that they didn't really love you. They just loved that you loved them. And so a lot of times we get stuck in those types of dynamics where The relationship isn't really about 
seeing both of the people in it. It's really just about how it makes one person in that relationship feel. That's not a healthy relationship dynamic. When you feel like you're not being heard, when you feel like when you're trying to challenge somebody to further develop their character, their behavior, or their patterns so that you can have a really enjoyable experience and exchange with them in a relationship and they won't hear you and they won't do anything to change, you know, that's a sign. It's done. They're not going to. They don't want to change. They don't want to be challenged. And they really don't want to hear you because it's not about you. It's about them and what this relationship gives them. And what's interesting is this last relationship that I terminated <laughs> it was the silliest thing. There was a text exchange and there hadn't been any communication between me and this person in a, in, a, in a few weeks. And I thought, well, what the hell? I haven't heard from him in forever. And I've texted him a few times and he's just, what's going on? And so I finally hear back from him and the text exchange is remaining consistent, which was another shocker for me because this person is not a consistent communicator. And I interrupted the shenanigans and, you know, the the trite little, how are you? Good. Oh, what's new? No, no, no. And I just finally went, are we still friends? And I waited when I saw that he was responding. And his response was, of course, until you unfriend me. And I just, I was like, what? And so the, I didn't want to text. So I called my friend and I was like, what does that even mean? I feel like he just gave me all of the responsibility of the relationship and all of the power and all of the control. So I'm the one who gets to determine whether or not we remain friends. Now, mind you, I've tried to end my friendship with this person several times because I have recognized we are a not, we are just not a good dynamic. There is uh there were there were a lot of things we had in common, but there were so many things that I just found detestable about his personality and his character and his behavior and him never listening to me about what I like and what I don't like and who I am as a person. Meanwhile, I spent all this time to, you know, be very mindful of, of paying attention in all of the conversations that we had shared in and to no avail. So, you know... This might seem like just a simple yes or no response to a dumb question that you shouldn't have asked in the first place, Danielle. But when someone tells you that they're going to stay in the relationship with you until you end it, that's a red flag. Because when you tell me you're the one that determines the friendship, when you say that to me, what you're telling me is I, I'm responsible for everything wrong with this relationship. That's how I, I interpret it. But I bet that doesn't mean that I'm responsible for everything that goes right with the relationship. I bet that's when that my friend would have stepped in and taken credit. In fact, that's what he did. Examine your friendships, your relationships. Is this happening with you? Because what I came to realize was that no matter how willing I was to, you know, I'm all about love and I'm all about giving people a second chance and a third chance and a seventh chance and a 77th chance and a seven times 700 what have you chances um, because I'm a good person. 
I don't know what it was. Like I felt convicted in that moment to ask my friend, are we still friends? Because I had been feeling like, well, if you were my friend, you know, you you would have at least given me the courtesy of a response. Now, look, I know there's a lot of people, including myself, who have other relationship dynamics where you can go months, maybe even a year without talking to someone, but you can pick up right where you left off. And if you have friends like that, like I have friends like that, that's great. But I also know how to identify those types of friendships. I also know how to discern, you know, what's going on and to, I can make mature, rational presuppositions about why another individual is not responding to me if I'm in that kind of relationship dynamic with them, right? Because I have an understanding of their lifestyle and I don't depend on that relationship, maybe as much as I depended on this relationship that I terminated. And I don't know if you're like me, but when you start to recognize that you depend on a relationship, that's also a red flag, right? That that was a red flag for me. I was dependent on the relationship. And so I continued in it, even though I knew it wasn't healthy. But I didn't want to be the one that was wholly responsible for it, right? That would be like me telling my husband, I'll stay with you until you divorce me. And I guess essentially we do do that, don't we? But I'm actively choosing my husband every day. Like I like the guy. I like Corey. It's not that I just love him. I like him. And I want want to spend time with him. And no, he doesn't get 100% of the responsibility for the relationship. And nobody should in a relationship. That's not how relationships work. We form relationships with people to share responsibility, emotional responsibility, maybe financial responsibility, maybe parental responsibility. But we form relationships to fulfill responsibility, to share it. And it's not that when you enter into a relationship, poof, your responsibility can be relinquished to the other person. That's not how it works. And so that's a really shitty paradigm to present in connections. And so I recognized that. And I recognized my dependency on the relationship, depending on a relationship, and, and meaning what happens when the relationship ends? Am I losing something? And I thought I was. Now that the relationship has ended, I, I'm losing nothing. In fact, I've gained clarity and understanding compassion for myself, compassion for him, and just recognizing that he's just going through his own shit. And I'm just, I'm not going to track along for that journey. And he wasn't really willing to even participate in mine. And so that's something that I look for now. You know, the one thing that they say about people who are empathetic is that they can step into your shoes and they can share in your suffering. Um, But I don't think we balance empathy very well because we're really good at being there for people when they're going through dark times, like when they're going through like shitty phases of their life. But very rarely do we step up and offer empathy when another person is going through something really great in their life, experiencing great transformation or changes or transitions. And there's not a lot of celebrating for other people. And if you're missing that in a relationship, 
you're not really actually receiving empathy. Because empathy should be able to cut through just the dark stuff. Empathy should also cut through into the light. And what I mean by that, and what I said earlier about this friend wasn't really trying to participate in my journey, he wasn't trying to participate in the things that I was happy about. And I've had a, I, I, my own mother had this issue where, and my sisters, where if something bad was happening in my life, they were totally there for me. But when good things were happening for me, when I was like being ambitious and something new and exciting happened, maybe I was successful financially or career rise or whatever I was passionate about pursuing, when those kinds of phases in my life were taking place, there's no empathy for that. There's no understanding for that. There's no encouragement and praise and sharing in that celebratory experience together because we's a bunch of jealous folks, okay? I recognize that I used to get like this. Um, even in recent years, I've caught myself in my jealousy. And I mean, I've talked about my jealousy issues in previous episodes, you know, when Corey and I were towing that line of ethical non-monogamy and open marriage and exploring polyamory, my jealousy was the big obstacle. So like when I say that I recognize that we some jealous people, I mean me too. I'm never excluding myself from the observations of humanity because I'm a human. And so what I observe in myself, I know that I'm not the only one experiencing it. So we's jealous folks. And because we're so jealous, our empathy is not balanced. Our empathy is only there to understand the suffering of others. But that's not just what empathy is about. I can't stress that enough. I wish there was a more significant emphasis on empathy cutting through to not just walking a mile in the person's shoes when the when the walk is shitty. You're also walking a mile in that person's shoes when when the walk is really great. And maybe we haven't even experienced a great walk like that. And that's why it's hard for us to offer praise. We don't want to praise other people who we feel are moving along in life better than we are at a faster rate than we are at an earlier age than we are, whatever it is, because we feel left out. We feel left out. We don't want to be excluded. But then we allow our jealousy to exclude us from celebrating with other people. And so if anything has been the biggest red flag for me about identifying a toxic relationship, it's when another individual can't celebrate me when I'm celebrating me. If you want me to celebrate you when you're celebrating you, you have to reciprocate because otherwise there's no equality of praise. I want to know that you're going to support me as much as you want me to support you, right? And so that's Ultimately, what I really think is missing from the majority of the relationships that I've experienced is there was not balanced empathy and there was not balanced responsibility. And when you don't have responsibility or empathy, what do you have? I don't know. You really can't have much. So after deciding that I know what I want in a friendship, that I know what I deserve out of a relationship, it does put me in a position where I'm finding that I have fewer relationships. And maybe you're like me. And maybe as you've been evolving and growing and changing and transforming, you're noticing this too. Not everybody sticks along for the ride. But again, I go back to this whole thing about Jesus, who had 12 disciples. 
and one of them betrayed him. And the rest, I mean, well, where is their story? You know, kind of concludes. And we don't hear too much. And, oh, you may say, oh, look at Christianity now. But I can save this for another podcast. But we're definitely not imitating Jesus in the Christianity that we're practicing as a society. And I can count myself guilty of, of, of that in the past. When I did identify and claim that label of Christian, I was not fulfilling the duty of such a significant status and label. But anyway, wrapping up, I guess I've just, I wanted to share a little piece of what I've been learning about relationships. And I know that I have to be honest with myself when I am forming dependent relationships, when I am forming relationships that only benefit myself, when I'm forming relationships where the empathy is not balanced. If I'm finding that I'm jealous of another person, I'm growing into a new pattern of being really aware of that and not disregarding it, but inviting it in, looking at my circumstances, re-examining the context, re-evaluating my own behavior and the way I am presenting myself and asking myself if that is conducive to my community. It's really hard to self-examine. It's really hard to look in that mirror and know you are in the wrong. Because how do I change that if so much of it is unconscious? Well, we listen and we listen some more. And uh, what I've learned is uh, talk less. Just talk less. Because sometimes we just talk too much. We think we have to have an opinion about everything, make a statement about everything, share commentary on everything. And God dang, I tell you what, in this autumn and in this slice of life where I'm at right now, Silence is golden. It's not violence. It's not oppression. It doesn't mean that you're sitting on the fence and being indecisive. It means that you are harnessing the moment and realizing that it will continue on with or without your voice. And if your voice cannot add to the energy in such a way that it spreads joy, why bother? And, you know, I'm not the only one saying this. So I'm not trying to act like I just reinvented the wheel and created a brand new idea. I want to share with you something that I heard on TikTok after I started this recording that just kind of reiterates what I opened this episode up with and kind of how I'm closing it out. And I just want you to know that I understand, I understand what it feels like to have that inner conviction to speak out against something. I'm not trying to convince you to not do that, okay? I'm not trying to tell you to watch someone get raped and don't do anything about it, which is what apparently took place within recent days over in England, and it's appalling and it's disgusting as any form of a representation of what humanity looks like. I'm not telling you to stop doing good. I'm not asking you to to give up in speaking for those that you feel like aren't being heard. What I'm asking you to do, and what I've always asked you to do, is just to consider other perspectives. Try and understand that humanity really doesn't understand humanity itself. To extend grace to everybody. And to be okay 
with recognizing that you yourself, like for me, for me recognizing I'm wrong a lot of times because I've never done this before. And it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to find yourself in a situation where you know you're 100% accountable for why you're in that situation. That doesn't take away from you. So if nothing else, in, in a weird sort of way, I know it doesn't always sound like that, but I am encouraging you. I am encouraging the world because this is what I do to encourage myself. What I'm going to do here is play the TikTok video that I saw that I thought was just a great message that I wanted to share with a wider audience. And so this is from the user Shanna Star. So it's at underscore Shanna, S-H-A-N-N-A-S-T-A-R underscore if you want to go find her. But please listen. Hi guys, today I received a message to deliver. This is for a lot of people in the spiritual world. This is for a lot of conspiracy theorists. All of these trendy spiritual conversations going on right now. People who like to break down religion and show you the manipulation verse by verse, page by page of the Bible. The message is, it is time to move past all of that. It is time to move beyond this job that you've created for yourself of giving truth to people every single day. It's become redundant. There is now a plateau where we have to move past because the consciousness of the human race has risen. The energy of the earth has risen to a point where forcing truth and constantly creating a job for yourself of speaking truth is no longer going to bring fulfillment to your soul. It is time now for you to act every minute of the day as if you were the only existent being on this earth what would you do every minute of your life if you had nobody to speak to and give truth to what decision would you make every minute of the day if your goal wasn't to spread truth to the intentions of raising consciousness and saving the world what would you do every minute of the day if you were the only existent being on this earth to make yourself happy there's time now to do that that is where you will act off of love for yourself that is bringing the energy of god to earth the world has come to a place where everybody's so overly involved with spreading knowledge that everybody that's even spreading the truth has forgotten what the true change in this earth will be and that is the energy of love because that is god and as long as you're sacrificing of yourself to try and force truth upon others then you become disappointed when you see the state of the earth sometimes and that maybe you're getting not the response that you're expecting this isn't bringing happiness to the earth this isn't bringing joy to the world this isn't bringing god to earth it is time now to move past bringing truth to the masses there is an overabundance of knowledge and knowledge is not salvation the energy of love for self and rebuilding your foundation to that is the salvation of the human race because as long as i love me i love you as long as i understand me i understand you as long as i act based on what brings me joy every day I am bringing joy to you with my presence. That is the salvation of the human race. And it's time now to rise above breaking down the Bible and spreading that information every minute of the day. Time now to rise above breaking down quantum physics and universes and parallels and dimensions and aliens. And rise now to a level of love for yourself. But it's time now to stop seeking to be a truther. People are getting excited that they're being shadow banned and stuff because now that means they're speaking the truth. Come on, guys. That's still a need for acknowledgement. Live as if you were the only existent being on this earth. Who would be here to acknowledge you if you were the only one that existed? The truth of this reality is you are the only one that exists. So to seek acknowledgement from anyone else other than yourself is in vain and will not bring change to this earth. The earth is rising. You have a choice now to rise with it. If you choose to remain, you will start to feel the unfulfillment of your soul. Have a good day, y'all. Did you catch that? Knowledge isn't salvation. 
love for the self is salvation. Bring joy to yourself. Thanks for listening.